herd was all about. You know, in the first century, sheep were one of the main ways you stored wealth. They were a commodity. But the problem was that unlike gold or, or money, it wasn't something you could lock in a bank. It was a commodity that had to roam the hills. And so it was the sheep were, were all your wealth was stored were walking the hills and they needed to be protected. And the main job of the shepherds was to be a protector of the sheep. And so the shepherds were essentially security guards. Uh, that there were all kinds of hazards out there, wolves and, and big cats and bears at the time. And of course, also bandits who would come along and want to steal the sheep. And so to be qualified to be a shepherd, you couldn't be the kind of person who got scared easily, the kind of person who run, who would run and hide at the, at the smallest provocation. You had to be, if you were that kind of person, you couldn't do the job. You had to be the kind of person who would stand their ground. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Remember when David is arguing with Saul and he's saying, I can go and take that giant on. And what does, what does Saul say to him? You're just a little kid. Why, why do you think you could handle this giant? And remember David's response? He's like, I'm a shepherd. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And this giant is going to be like one of them. So the shepherds were a people who didn't get scared easily. And then a nice little angel flutters down from heaven. And all of a sudden the glory of the Lord shines around them. And what does it say? They're absolutely terrified. The glory of the Lord comes down. The glory of the Lord is revealed to them, and, and they're almost all but crushed by it. They think they're going to be destroyed by it. You know, we think of angels as these nice little guys who come and, and send us good messages from heaven and, and ten, set, tell us things that are going to make us feel good inside. But you'll notice in the Bible, every time an angel shows up, what are the angel's first words to the person? Don't be afraid. Fear not. <laughs> and that's because, you know, usually the person is knocked back by the glory of the messenger of God. And so, in the case of the shepherds, a whole heavenly host shows up and has an announcement to make to the shepherds. And the glory of their presence terrifies all these men, terrifies these God, guys whose job was to never be afraid, terrifies these guys whose Paul vocation was built around being the kind of people who would stand their ground and would not give up their charges. And so one of the things this shows me is that when the glory of the Lord is revealed, all the things that we glory in fade away. When the glory of the Lord is put on display, all the things that we think are heavy all of a sudden become insignificant. The word glory in the Old Testament and, and in the Bible is the same word as the word of weight, of significance. And so when the shepherds appear to, or when the angels appear to the shepherds, the shepherds think they're going to be crushed by the, the weight, the significance, and the grandeur of God. And these guys who made their living by refusing to be intimidating, by, by, by refusing to be intimidated, and by standing their ground are suddenly terrified in the presence of God's messengers in this place. And that tells us something about all the glory that this world has to offer. You know, depending on who we are, depending on what our talents are, depending on what our background is, we find different things to glory in. Some people glory in being 
really smart. Some people glory in being really strong. Some people glory or think the glory is in accumulating a lot of wealth. Others think the glory is in gaining a lot of popularity or fame or fortune. But what this shows us, what this reminds us of, is that when the glory of the Lord appears to us and when we get a glimpse of and a comprehension of and a perspective on the glory of God, all the glory that this world has to offer, all the glory that we might accumulate for ourselves in this world, whether it be the glory of beauty, the glory of fame, the glory of popularity, the glory of power, all of that suddenly becomes insignificant and trivial relative to the glory of the Lord. All the world's glory is exposed as worthless and meaningless and insignificant and insufficient when we encounter the glory of God. And in fact, the glory of God relative to all these things crushes them and, and puts them all into a different perspective. And so as we go through our lives and we're impressed by certain people, we're impressed by certain things, we're impressed by certain accomplishments, remember, all of these things fade away when we see the glory of God. And the, the angels come, their glory is revealed, the shepherds are terrified, but then the angels say, relax, we've come in peace. We've come with good news. And what's the good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then they say, and you'll find this king wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger over in Bethlehem. And so they have this, this juxtaposition, this, this baby whose birth is announced by the heavenly messengers, this baby whose who's coming to the world is announced by a whole heavenly host saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, and yet the baby is in a barn and they had to make a makeshift bassinet for the child out of a manger. You know, that, that word manger, we, we kind of sentimentalize that. We sing away in a manger, no crib for a bed, and, and we all feel warm inside. But it's actually a story of tragedy and desperation. Here, this young couple, three days journey away from home, gives birth to this child, and they've got no friends, they've got no family, they've got no one to take them in, and the best they can do for their brand new baby is make a makeshift little bed for the baby in a feeding trough that was used by, used by cattle in a barn where they're squatting for the knife. That's the best they can do. So we have the announcement of the angels on the one hand, and then we have a baby that belongs to two homeless teenagers living in a barn on the other hand. And we see this, this great juxtaposition because, you know, the reason for that is because if the glory of the Lord just came in its fullness, what would happen to the shepherds? What would happen to you? What would happen to me? Is we'd all be utterly devastated by it. We'd all be destroyed by it. Just like an atomic bomb, if it went off in our midst, we'd all, we'd all be burned to a crisp. But the glory of the God came hidden, came concealed in this little baby because he didn't come to destroy us, didn't come to devastate us, didn't come to wipe us out, but he came to redeem us. And that's the hope that we have, because usually as we attain glory, as we, as we seek glory, as we accomplish glory, we use it 
to get ahead of others. We use it to push others down so that we can raise ourselves up. But when, God, when God's glory is revealed in its fullness, he comes as a homeless child to redeem you, to rescue you, and to save you. And that's the, the promise of the glory of God. And the real news is that this baby that's lying in this manger, this baby that was born to these homeless teenagers who are squatting in, in someone else's barn for a few days till they figure out what they're going to do or they get the strength to go home, this baby is the Savior of the world. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. The glory of God is contained in this little baby because, as the angels say, this baby is a Savior, Christ the Messiah, and the Lord. The baby's glory is contained in those three things. The word Savior, actually, that is something that the angels stole from the emperor cult in the first century. You know, remember, Israel was under Caesar, and one of the titles for Caesar was Savior. But what, what the angels are saying is that this little baby, this homeless child, is actually a greater Savior for his people than Caesar ever could have been. Caesar might be impressive. He might have conquered the Roman Empire, but this baby is going to conquer the whole world, not just today, but forever and ever and ever. He's a savior, and then he's, he's also the Lord, which is he's the king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And even though he's born in these humble circumstances, he's born to be our king. He's born to bring restoration. And finally, he's the Christ or the Messiah. Christ the Greek, Messiah the Hebrew. And what that means is he's the fulfillment of all the promises that the Word of God says. All the promises of God are fulfilled in and through this little baby lying in a manger somewhere in Bethlehem. And, and uh, all the things that all of God's people have been looking forward to for centuries are all met in their fullness in this baby on this night. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. All the things that the Old Testament prophets promised, all the things that the Word of God promised in, in the Older Testament, all these things come to their fruition in Him and through Him. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. And He's the one who you have been waiting for. He's the new king that's come here, not to destroy his enemies, but to redeem his enemies. Not to crush those who are opposed to him, but to help them be lifted up. Not to devastate those who, are, who stand against them, but to make all things new. And so that was the message of the angels, and that's the news of Christmas for all of us. You know, we, we sentimentalize Christmas, we sing away in a manger as if it's a good thing that a newborn baby has to be laid in a feeding trough on, on its first night of, of life in this world, but it's really a story of God coming down to us. The, the angels say that this is news, it's good news of great joy, which means that if you get this, if you believe this, then your life will grow to be characterized by great joy. Your life 
will be characterized by great hope because no matter how bad your circumstances are, no matter how difficult your situation is, no matter how confusing your situation is, you have a reason for hope, you have a reason for joy because this Jesus has come. See, the message of Jesus, it's not, it's not advice, even though he had some advice for us. It's not rules to follow, even though he gave us some rules to follow. It's not a new philosophy, even though he rewrites all the thoughts of all the philosophers. But the message of Jesus is news. It's news about something that has happened, news about something that will happen, and the hope that we can have as a result. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, and I know in our congregation, even today, there's a lot of people who are facing devastating news, devastating news related to a medical diagnosis, devastating news related to what's going on in their company or with their jobs, devastating news related to, to their family circumstance. I mean, it's, it's going, going around to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and sometimes the news of our life seems overwhelming. But the promise of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, is that whatever difficult news you might be facing in your personal life, in your family, among your loved ones, whatever fears you might have, all of those can be put into perspective. All of those can be modified by the glory of Christ revealed. And that's what we sing about at Christmas, the song we started with. Joy to the world. Not because I just had a financial windfall, not just because my candidate just won the election, not because I found, I found everything I'm looking for, but joy to the world, the Lord has come. So let earth receive her king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us the path to a transcendent and eternal joy that's not based on our circumstances or our accomplishments or what's going on in the moment, but that is grounded completely in the fact that you have come and that we can, in you and through you, receive our King, receive our Savior, receive the redemption and the joy that we're made for. Make this real to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen circumstances, he's born to be our king. He's born to bring restoration. And finally, he's the Christ or the Messiah. Christ the Greek, Messiah the Hebrew. And what that means is he's the fulfillment of all the promises that the word of God says. All the promises of God are fulfilled in and through this little baby lying in a manger somewhere in Bethlehem. And and uh, all the things that all of God's people have been looking forward to for centuries are all met in their fullness in this baby on this night. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. All the things that the Old Testament prophets promised, all the things that the Word of God promised in, in the Older Testament, all these things come to their fruition in Him and through Him. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. And he's the one who you have been waiting for. He's the new king that's come here, not to destroy his enemies, but to redeem his enemies. Not to crush those who are opposed to him, but to help them be lifted up. 
not to devastate those who, are, who stand against them, but to make all things new. And so that was the message of the angels, and that's the news of Christmas for all of us. You know, we, we sentimentalize Christmas, we sing away in a manger as if it's a good thing that a newborn baby has to be laid in a feeding trough on, on its first night of, of life in this world, but it's really a story of God coming down to us. The, the angels say that this is news, it's good news of great joy, which means that if you get this, if you believe this, then your life will grow to be characterized by great joy. Your life will be characterized by great hope because no matter how bad your circumstances are, no matter how difficult your situation is, no matter how confusing your situation is, you have a reason for hope, you have a reason for joy because this Jesus has come. See, the message of Jesus, it's not, it's not advice, even though he had some advice for us. It's not rules to follow, even though he gave us some rules to follow. It's not a new philosophy, even though he rewrites all the thoughts of all the philosophers. But the message of Jesus is news. It's news about something that has happened, news about something that will happen, and the hope that we can have as a result. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, and I know in our congregation, even today, there's a lot of people who are facing devastating news, devastating news related to a medical diagnosis, devastating news related to what's going on in their company or with their jobs, devastating news related to, to their family circumstance. I mean, it's, it's going, going around to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and sometimes the news of our life seems overwhelming. But the promise of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, is that whatever difficult news you might be facing in your personal life, in your family, among your loved ones, whatever fears you might have, all of those can be put into perspective. All of those can be modified by the glory of Christ revealed. And that's what we sing about at Christmas, the song we started with. Joy to the world. Not because I just had a financial windfall, not just because my candidate just won the election, not because I found, I found everything I'm looking for, but joy to the world, the Lord has come. So let earth receive her king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us the path to a transcendent and eternal joy that's not based on our circumstances or our accomplishments or what's going on in the moment, but that is grounded completely in the fact that you have come and that we can, in you and through you, receive our King, receive our Savior, receive the redemption and the joy that we're made for. Make this real to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.